Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I am your host. And I have an amazing guest on today. This guy's name is Brian Wagner. And Brian is a keynote speaker, an author, and he's a coach. And he helps people embrace their blindness to achieve vision. This is going to be a great show. So hang tight. Be right back. Hey, we're back. So, welcome to the show. I want to I want to have y'all welcome my buddy Brian Wagner to the show. Brian, come on yeah. in. Hey, Ken. You still trying to share it out? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Are you? Yeah, absolutely. Did you this did you great. get it? Did you I get did it? it? I got it. I got All it. All right. Hallelujah. So, so Brian, I recently met you. I was invited to be a guest speaker at the what's it called? The Ohio chapter of the National Speakers Association. Right. We are and the other NSA. The other NSA. That's nice. So um, so I I was invited to speak to your group and which was really cool. Um, I met you there and and here we are, man. Here we are. Yeah. It's all Nancy, good. Nancy Summers shared it out. Thank you for that. Way to go, Nancy. Thank you very much. Ernest Fidel, all the way Lubbock. down in Lubbock, Lubbock, Lubbock. Texas. Yeah. So, hmm. so Brian, this is um, this is about helping people, man. This is about helping people get unstuck, have a breakthrough, live their best life. All of that fun stuff. And um, I know you do a lot of keynote speaking on those very topics. So let's um let's 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 go there, man. Let's talk about, you know, first, where were you born and raised? You're a Columbus guy, by the way, which is kind of cool. I, I'm I'm not in Columbus, but I'm just north of Columbus. I if, ever, if anybody says where where do you live, I'm like Col Columbus, greater Columbus. <laughs> 45 minutes yeah. north of Columbus. <laughs> Same for me. I'm in a suburb just west of Columbus. So it's still, I'm not in Columbus either, but right. that's all right. You're not, you're way be. closer to Columbus than I am though. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, fair. fair enough. It's a good place to be. We've, we've lived here for 25 years now. So it's a uh, same house, same everything. So it's a, wow. it's a good place to be. That's awesome. But yeah. So, I grew up yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Northwest Ohio. I grew up in, uh, uh, not in a tomato field, but uh, on a tomato farm. With the, We had 350 acres of tomatoes at wow. the, the high point and um, grew up there with the youngest of 10 kids. And, uh, you know, uh, it was a little near a little town called Wayne. I went to Elmwood High School, um, ended up marrying, meeting Mary, my wife, Connie. Um, she was from a little town called Lucky. Uh, she went to Eastwood High School. 
So uh, we're, we're big on the Battle of the Woods. But, I mean, um, growing up where I did, it was a, a great place to grow up. But, you know, I never really wanted to be on the farm too long. <laughs> so yeah. Farming, farming didn't work for me. Is that up by Toledo? Yeah. It's about 45 minutes south of Toledo. It's uh, actually straight straight east of Bowling Green. Okay. Wow. Sorry, I'm trying to get over to um, block somebody on this other page that's putting. Um, sorry, I had to. I had to go block a, a spammer. So, um, yeah, putting putting stupid comments up. I had to get rid of it. So, um, I I know where is that, but that's like is that off? Of, that's off seventy five. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's about. I don't know, 10 miles east of 75? Yeah, yeah, I know where you Close are. Close to Route 6, if you know where Route 6 is. No, I don't. It's all right. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> hey, I was born and raised in Indian Lake, which is is considered Northwest Ohio, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so, did you say you're the youngest of 10 kids? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, you guys didn't kids. have television did you <laughs> uh well we had we had a we had a tv with uh two channels but uh i was the one that spent the most time in front of the television so yeah. you know, i ended up uh, they they called me the tv guide for a while uh, <laughs> I, I knew everything on so you so you grew up out in i mean dude tomatoes yeah yeah, we had 350 acres of tomatoes. We had 50 acres of pickles. You know, a thousand acres of corn, thousand acres of beans. You know, Jeez. that was what we did. Wow. And, and and then we had steers and pigs and chickens and not many chickens, but I mean, yeah, we had a lot of stuff going on. So you had uh, there's Randall. Randall. What's up, Randall? So Buddy Randall. Yeah, he's a good dude. So yep. so. Growing up on the farm, you you definitely learn what a work ethic is. <laughs> yes, uh, and, and many times I can play the work ethic card because um, you know it was one of those things where people assume just since you grew up on a farm you had a really good work ethic. Now, yeah, we did have some work ethic, and it was important for us to get up in the morning and do whatever we needed to do to do our chores, but the work ethic didn't stick with me uh, too much. I mean, uh, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed my party time. So. Oh, did you? Oh well, yeah. That was what I was all about. I was all about the party. So you went to, um, you went to school up there. Did you end up going to college? Yeah. I went to the university of Toledo. When I was at the university of Toledo, I, I had, uh, <laughs> I had some tough grades some tough, tough things that, uh, I was going through, you know, in terms of uh, getting an education, I, I was the, well, my oldest, not oldest brother, but one of my older brothers, he um, he graduated with a four-year degree. So I was the second one to graduate with a four-year degree out of uh, all 10 of us. So I knew I didn't want to go back to the farm. So I had to make this uh, education work out and be able to, uh, you know, get through my industrial engineering school. So but at the same time, I I still had that party mode. I still wanted to, you know, have the party. So 
I'm uh, famous for being quoted as saying one point uh, that I'm not going to let school ruin my social life. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. So did you get it? Did you get, did you finish college though? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I finished uh, my, my uh, four year degree in five and a half years. I had to go over the summer to get there. Yeah. Wow! But uh, spent a lot of time in class and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of retaking classes and all that. So my dad used to joke with me. My dad passed away five years ago, but he always joked with me that uh, I was going to be a professional college student. Um, <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> lots, lots but of no, I yeah, I graduated with a degree in industrial engineering, and you know, since then I've had several jobs related to industrial engineering but nothing you know where i was a explicit industrial engineer and um obviously things have changed quite a bit since then dude 10 kids is a lot yeah so i mean my mom my mom is a saint i mean seriously yeah. i don't even have to meet her to know that uh, she still lives in the same house where we grew up. She lives all by herself. She doesn't mind being by herself. And she's she has uh, you know grandkids. She has twenty five grandkids, thirty five great grandkids. She has two or three you know great great grandkids. So yeah, she Jeez. just loves having kids around. She's always the kids around. So the you guys still have the farm? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Who's running the farm? farm? Well, three of my brothers still farm uh, and they drive truck. So they do a lot of different things to, to keep up with it. But I mean, yeah, the, the ground that my mom and dad had, uh, you know, that's still there. So they still farm that. But then they also have farm ground of their own. Jiminy Christmas. And she managed to give birth to 10 children. Yeah. Ten. And, she still bakes, and she still bakes pies. And they're really good pies. Oh, my gosh, I've got to meet this woman. Wow. So, so what was it like for you growing up being the youngest of 10 kids? I'm sure you were picked on and babied. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I don't agree with the fact that I was ever babied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, I have younger siblings. You were babied. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> my brothers you know i had a couple of brothers that were really bad about picking on me you know yeah. i would you know be i would be sick uh staying home from school and they'd come in and they'd uh you know tell me how i wasn't sick and they'd you know tell my mom you know that i wasn't sick i, I just wanted to get out of going to school and i wanted to get out of doing work so you know I, yeah but they were right um but at the same time they they did pick on me a lot it made me who I am. It made me stronger. You know, you can't you can't BS anybody when uh, when they're your older brother, their older sister. I mean, they they knew who you are. So um, it made yeah. it made it tough to really try to get away with anything. I love what Randall says. Like your uh -huh. your parents were having kids just to have some good farm hands around, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, there were eight of us boys. Um, Jeez. Now, two Two of the boys passed away. I mean, the one boy uh, was in a farming accident before I was even born. Wow. And then uh, well, it would have been in 1965, I think. And then, um, another brother, he was uh, killed in a Jeep accident on the way home from uh, a 
his girlfriend's house when I was 13, I think. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Lots of good times, but lots of tough times as well. What are some of the growing up, man, growing up with, with, I cannot imagine having that many siblings. I just can't, I can't imagine. I thought, I thought three siblings was too many. Um, so what were some of the challenges that you faced as a kid and, and going through college and, and what are, what are some of the things that you faced that you, you had to, to deal with or push through? Hmm. What are some of the challenges I faced? Hey, Kimberly, Kimberly. from Kansas. Uh, I would say some of the challenges would I, I I wasn't very disciplined, so you know I I'd always had a hard time, and it was easy for me in high school. I never took books home. I didn't do that. You know, a lot of my kids, or actually all of my kids, have been very disciplined about taking their books home and doing work and doing the study. And like, I never studied. I didn't have to study, maybe, but I mean, I, I got through with decent grades through high school. But when I got to college, man, it was a real deal. I mean, one of my <laughs> first uh, one of my first classes was uh, Introduction to Marriage. I, I have no idea why I took this class. Introduction a, to what? Marriage? Marriage. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the heck? Why? <laughs> I have no idea. I thought I'd take it. It'd be an easy class. I got a freaking C. I got a freaking C. You got a C? Yeah. Oh, God. So, oh, my God. You got a C in Introduction to Marriage, and that's actually a class in college? What the heck? Oh, yeah. So I got a of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh. So are you married? I am. 29 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. In the class must have stuck. <laughs> she she must be blind. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so, so you, okay, so keep going. You were, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. That, that, uh, that caught me off guard. <laughs> Yeah, so in terms of what uh, obstacles I had, I mean, obviously, you know, discipline was one of them. Not being disciplined about it, um, just doing my schoolwork was a, a really tough time. But, um, you know, other things that uh, caused me problems were, you know, partying. I, I wanted to always be at a party or in a party or with a party or it, it was all, all that I ever wanted to do. So that was a, a tough thing for me to uh, – get rid of to, to shake so i ended up uh had a job at ups in Maumee for about a funk marriage um yeah. I, I had a job at uh, ups in Maumee from 88 to 91 and and that was really a hard job i was there from 10 a 10 p.m until like 2 a.m every night well five nights a week and, uh, you know, I was loading trucks. I was loading trucks, sorting packages. I mean, that was hard work, especially when those yeah. trucks were so freaking hot. Yeah. Um, being outside all day. That was that was a tough job. But that really, I think that allowed me or didn't allow me to go out and party. So right. I had to be more focused with my schoolwork. So I ended up getting through my, my schoolwork. 
I had one, one brother who was helpful to me when uh, I was going through all that. He helped me to study. He helped me to learn how to go through different problems and uh, figure them out. So, you know, having a big family is helpful. That's for sure. So you worked at UPS. Mm -hmm. were, were you in college still? Yeah, I was in college. I had started at UPS in February of 88. I started college in, well, I guess it would have been September of 85. So I'd gone through a few years without uh, having a job. Okay. But then when I got the job at UPS, I just, uh, it was close. Uh, I knew uh, hard work, I could do that. You know, I wasn't afraid to sweat. I needed to get in better shape anyway. So yeah, I did that, and, you know. I probably uh, probably went and foregoed having some friends and being able to party and do all that stuff uh, that, you know, the real college life is all about. But, uh, you know, being able to have a good job where, you know, I was uh, I was uh, making good money, you know, that was pretty cool. So I had a good opportunity with some some people that work there. They uh, helped me to to see you know how I can do a better job. And then I. Yeah. I ended up getting a part-time supervisor job after I'd uh, worked there for a few years as a, a loader and, uh, and a sorter. So, you know, that that allowed me to get into the industrial engineering group, which was, uh, you know, I had to wear a tie every day. So as a part-time suit. Yeah. So, so after college, um, what happened? Where, where, where'd you, you, you said, well, you didn't say. Did you? Did you get an industrial engineering? No, job? I, 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 uh, I. And we what was that? Hold it. Before you answer that, let me ask you this: Was it the partying that you you were into, the going to the parties, or was there uh, was it more of a, an obsession with alcohol or drugs, or what? What? What was the what was the the crux of the situation, as they would say? I never did drugs. Um, I, I'm, I feel like I should have, but I never did. <laughs> you feel like it. Okay. Who, who feels that way? <laughs> anyway. Hey, it's never too late, man. You're, you're never too old to start over. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I, I guess I've always liked beer. Um, I've always liked to, you know, drink. And uh, that, was, that was always a fun thing for me. So, you know, I've struggled with, just partying in general. I, I don't, yeah. You don't struggle with partying. I didn't struggle with partying at all. It was really easy for me. Yeah. Um, that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, I had friends that, uh, you know, were, were there and I, I wanted to make sure even when I was dating my wife, you know, um, she would be in, well, she lived in Fort Wayne for a while and I would go see her in Fort Wayne and I'd have to leave by, you know, nine o'clock on a Saturday night because I, I wanted to get back to the college station in, in and there was a bar in Bowling Green. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get out there and you know, party with them, my friends. So I really messed up um, perspective on what was really important. Because, um, I mean, I left my girlfriend at the time, my fiance almost, and uh, went and left her in order to go back to the college station so I could party. I mean, it just wow. didn't make any sense. Wow. And then on top of that, I was a big into golf. So I loved to golf with uh, my brothers. 
two or three of my brothers and then some other friends. We would, you know, get up early and golf every Sunday morning at like and whenever the golf course opened at 7 a.m. So, you know, and then we'd have a couple of beers out there too. It was all fun. Yeah. I, I love the party, man. I mean, having a beer at 7 a.m. is, I mean, everybody does that. It's normal, right? <laughs> but so, I didn't do drugs. Right. You didn't do drugs. So, so, um, so where, where did, where did your, where did you start? Where after college, where did you start working? My wife went to Ohio Northern up, up that way, which is uh, uh, yeah. right down the road from, from BG. Good, Good old job. Ada, Ohio. And Ada, yep. Yeah. So I went, so it was 91. I just graduated. I graduated in March or April of 91 because I was on the five and a half year plan. And uh, when I finished, my wife and I, we obviously been already been married. We got married back in September of 90. And then uh, she had gotten promoted with her job. So she went to Chicago and lived in a, you know, a residence in for a few months while I was finishing up my school. And then once I finished school, I went to Chicago. I quit my job at UPS without another job and just went and lived out in Chicago and looked for another job. And finally, after, I don't know, three or four months, I found a job. And that job was at, uh, it was in Skokie, Illinois. Um, and, uh, it was quite a quite a job. I, I worked for a company called Lord Label. the The owner's name was Lester Ordman, and that's how they got the name Lord. Uh, Lord Label. They manufactured labels. Um, you would you know see on a, a milk bot milk bottle or you know, whatever it is. So you know that's that was litho lithographic litho, lithographic or flexographic printing. And um, you know I was a shipping and receiving manager for them. So. You know, I it was all about, you know, just trying to do something to, to make some money. So that was my start. Not a very, I would call it a very inauspicious start. Did did you feel like, wow, I'm so happy I went to college all that time? <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to do, you know, all the, all the industrial engineering things. I mean, it was a factory where they were manufacturing labels. And I wanted to try to, you know, implement some of this stuff with uh, SBC, which was standard process control and, you know, things like that. So I thought it would be really cool to be able to use my education. Yeah. I ended up up, uh, creating spreadsheets. And uh, that was what I ended up doing more than anything was, you know, doing more computer work. And uh, and the whole schooling aspect just uh, ended up not being utilized at all, ever. Dude, I I hate spreadsheets. I mean, literally, <laughs> I despise them. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. I look at a spreadsheet and I get a panic attack. <laughs> well, this was back in the days of Lotus One, Two, Three, and yeah. uh, you know, you pull up the uh, the menu bar and do all this stuff. And I thought it was kind of cool, but you know, didn't, I, never. I'm, I'm Act Software, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the founder of Act is is a buddy of well, co him and another guy founded it. They created the company. Yeah, he's been on the show, but um, Mike Muni. But anyway, um, so after so what? At some point, and I what I'm trying to get to is 
you froze up on me. Oh, are you there? Yeah, I'm here now. Yeah, sorry. My my internet's been acting crazy lately. Um, but at some point, you became a speaker. You started helping blind people. You, 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 yeah. Is what your Facebook profile says. Yeah. What, how did how did all that come about? Where did you? How did you go from reading or creating spreadsheets to being on a stage? Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, I don't know where to start. When I was ten, I had um, I had a problem in my brain in my brain. And they weren't sure what it was. They ended up determining it was hydrocephalus. So hydrocephalus is like a buildup of fluid on your brain. So they put a shunt in my brain, for, drains fluid from my brain to my abdomen. So it's right here, the side of my head. It runs all the way down and drains the fluid from my from my brain. So okay. I had that put in back in, I don't know, when I was 10 years old, 1977. So yes, I am 52 for another mm -hmm. Three weeks, and then I'll be 53, a little older than you. Um, a little bit, one yeah. year. Yeah. A anyway, so um, I had that put in in 77. Um, had a few other issues with it um, during from 77 to 2011, so a big span in there where, you know, some things were normal, but most things or a lot of things were really, um, really out of focus for them for the most part. I mean, it's a strange way of saying it, but I mean, yeah. there were some, there were some times where it was just different. So anyway, like I said, I, I got that first job at Skokie. I had it for a year until they fired me because I was terrible um, mm. and undisciplined. And then yeah. I got another job uh, at a company in, in, uh, in Bensonville, Illinois, which is close to the airport and uh, got that job. I had it for five, six years, but actually I had it for three years and they um, said they were opening a company in Columbus or a, an office in Columbus. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to be in Columbus. I've always wanted to be in Columbus because that's two hours closer, no, two hours from home. And, uh, and Columbus is a great city, lots of, uh, lots of stuff going on down here, but it's um, certainly not like, um, not like Chicago. I and mean, Chicago was too big for us. Uh, we didn't care for the traffic. We didn't care for a lot of different things. There were some good people there, but, you know, yeah. we didn't want to be there long term. And we had just started raising a family. So our first son was born in Naperville, which is another suburb of, of yeah. Chicago. And we we moved um, back in 1995 to Columbus. Um, I had a couple of other IT jobs during that time. And then a friend of mine from from actually, which is closer to uh, Toledo, he called me and he said, uh, hey, I got this job at IBM. I said, IBM? Uh, uh, wow. I, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I'm yeah. not the IBM type. Yeah, right. Uh, he said, no, I think you'd be good at it. I know your family. He knew my family. He's like, I know your work ethic. Again, that work ethic card came back. And he's like, yeah, I think you'd be good at it. Um, so I, you know, I ended up getting the job, and so things went on. And uh, fast forward to, well, I ended up losing the job at IBM for various reasons uh, after about 10 years. And then I had a couple of other jobs, and one in particular where I was at. And uh, I started to 
when I was in Cleveland for a training session and I started to have some blurry vision. Now I'd had blurry vision off and on. Hey Larry. Uh, so I had some blurry vision off and on. And uh, when I did this time, I knew something was different. So I, I really wasn't sure what was going on. I made my way back home from, from Cleveland, which is about a two hour car ride. It ended up taking me about, about four hours. Hey, Michael. And when I did get home, I mean, I, I was wiped out and I just laid on the couch. And then the next morning I woke up and, <laughs> and I was blind. What? So, yeah. Like completely blind or just in one eye? No, both of my eyes were shut. I, they were, they were uh, swollen. My whole face was swollen up. So what had happened is um, I had a brain bleed. And oh the brain bleed caused the pressure on my nerves that control my vision to make my eyeballs go wonky. So even, even if I had this eyelid open here today, I mean, there's an eyeball in there, but I see two images. So I, I have an image, I have an image here, an image here. So it's really strange, but I had enough damage done to my vision and my nerves that it destroyed my vision to a certain extent. But I'm st not enough to make me totally blind, not enough to make me, you know, visually or uh, mentally impaired. So, you know, going through all that was, um, it was the hardest thing that I've ever done for sure. So right now you have two images. Mm -hmm. Wow. Dude, that's insane. I I've never, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Wow. It, um, so that's where I started to, I mean, I, I was an IT guy and, you know, it, IT sales, that was my, that was my thing. So I, 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 I have, so was that, but was that caused from the encephalitis? No, that was actually, um, not the syphilis. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> Didn't you say it was encephalitis? No, hydrocephalus. Oh, hydrocephalus. Hydro what? Cephalus. Cephalus. Hydrocephalus. So is that what caused the brain bleed? No. Totally unrelated. Uh, wow. But I didn't have anywhere. I have a tube in there, so it could drain some of the fluid, but it couldn't drain it fast enough. Oh, my God. And the, the, the blood vessels or the, the blood that was pulling up around my nerves it started to coagulate and started to make, you know, those blood clots. And when it did, you know, put more pressure on the nerves. Wow. So that's when, uh, that's when it got pretty bad. Wow. So, um, gee, many Christmas. So that's a, that's a, that at that moment you woke up, you said you woke up and you were completely blind. You had to have freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could, I could, if I, if I did this with one eye, I mean, I could, I could get around. So that's, this is really what I did for about six months. Um, mm -hmm. In order for me to be able to get around at all without somebody holding my hand the entire time, you know, I, I would walk around like this and I'd be able to, to see enough to make my way. I, I had that one image. And so my eyelids were still, you know, shut for the most part. And um, I remember that morning when I woke up on March 4th of 2011, you know, having, ha having 
what I had, I mean, my, my eyes were just um, shot. Jeez. And uh, I, was, I was able to send a text to, to my friend, my good friend, Eric. And I said, I'm scared. Um, so that's when I remember, I remember being, being the most uh, afraid of what was happening. So wow. when I did that, I mean, and shortly thereafter, I mean, my wife came downstairs and she was horrified because, you know, I'm like, yeah. That, that, that wasn't in the, um, wasn't, wasn't on anybody's list of, of goals for the marriage or life. No. I'm sure. No. No. <laughs> he said no. <laughs> Definitely not. It was so, uh, so um what where what happened after that? Where what I mean obviously and you were not a speaker yet, right? No, no. I spoke at my high school graduation. Okay. I had about five minute speech that I gave and I loved it. It was it was great. But other than that, I mean I I'd left speaking. Yeah. So what 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 happened after that? So you you wake up that morning, you're you're blind. Um, what what happened? Where'd you go from there? Well, from there we went to the hospital, uh, and you know the doctors after hours and hours of tests and waiting and all that stuff, the doctor came in and he's like, "Your brain is bled, and it's you know this cavernous malformation you have is putting pressure on the nerves that control your vision." So. We're recommending you have brain surgery. Oh my gosh. And there was one guy that they recommended. Actually, they had three guys that they recommended. Uh, one guy was at Stanford. One guy was at the Cleveland Clinic. And the other guy was in Phoenix. I'm like, Cleveland? I, I'm not very far from Cleveland. Why don't I just go there? Yeah. And uh, I said, well, the one that's the best is in Phoenix. So I ended up going to Phoenix. Okay. Well, it was funny because we, we uh, actually went to Cleveland to get interviewed by the guy up there. And uh, my wife was interviewing him. And uh, she says, uh, she says, so after we, we spent an hour and a half of them telling me, you know, everything that was going on, he did, did all kinds of tests and whatnot. And uh, she presented him with, okay, so we recommended, you know, the guy in Phoenix, the guy at Sanford, and the guy in Cleveland, and you. You know, what would you recommend that we do? And uh, he looked straight at her and said, well, if I were you, I'd go to Phoenix. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Oh, yeah, right. See you later. <laughs> yes, dude. Hey, yeah. I mean, dude, that's like insane. Like that guy's like, yeah, okay. So but, you went to Phoenix. Well, at this point, we hadn't even been accepted to Phoenix yet. So oh. we had to get accepted. Jeez. So finally, we got accepted. And I remember the, the day Barbara, his uh, admin, called us and said, you know, you're, you're accepted uh, wow. to have brain surgery, elective brain surgery, kind of. Um, wow. Because you know, they told me the problems I have are only, going to become, are only going to become worse and more frequent. Oh, my so God. Those are the words I heard. So how do you get worse than this? Uh, I mean, okay. it, it, and and how do you, I mean, I, I can't imagine, I don't think 
I don't think anybody can imagine except you maybe. And, but like you're, you're told this is going to get worse. You're not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And you're like, I'm my brain inside here has been bleeding and you're telling me it's going to get worse. How, what kind of a time window of time was there between hearing that and actually going for the surgery? 27 days. That had to be the longest 27 days of your life. Yep. Like going, am I going to bleed out in my brain all of a sudden? Like you had to be running those questions through your head. Oh yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had steroids that I was taking. I had all kinds of stuff going on. I mean, I had, um, I, I fortunately I had a son who gave me his iPod shuffle, you know, so I could listen to some, some good tunes. He had Pink Floyd and, you know, Jimi Hendrix and, uh, you know, all, all these Beatles, I mean, and lots of good songs on there. So I, I spent a lot of time just listening to music. Um, uh, what I didn't do listening to music, I spent, um, drinking bourbon. That was another relief, uh, release of mine. Um, back to partying thing again, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it was, it was the longest, uh, 27 days of my life. And, um, I would have dreams because I, I don't know if part of it was from the, um, the, the steroids, but I mean, I would have dreams about, you know, how are they going to go in and do this to my brain? I mean, they, because it problems they have, I have are in my brainstem. So oh my they had God. to go in with a, it's, um, it's called an MRI guided, um, needle. And they, they went in with these like tweezers <laughs> And oh, by the way, they gave me a copy of the surgery that they did. It showed them opening up my head and all, all the different vessels and all this bleeding and stuff. And it showed them actually going into my brainstem. Oh my I, gosh. I still have the CD somewhere, but. Wow. <laughs> I, watched I watched it once. That was enough for me. Oh my gosh, man. Wow. You're one of the few people on planet Earth that can say I've actually seen my brain. Yeah, right. Most people can't say that, dude. <laughs> That's very true. Wow. I yeah. mean, 99.9999999% of the world cannot say they've seen their brain. That's insane, mm -hmm. man. So so you um, you had the brain surgery. Where did they go in? Is it in the back or where? where how do they do that? They've been right here. I got oh. the scar right here. I don't know if you can see it or not. No, but I don't, um, I don't see it. yeah, it's a there's a scar right there where um, where they went in and they tunneled in through you know all the different membranes. It showed it showed everything on this video wow. that they gave me. Um, so wow, so 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 you. Um, you went and you had the brain surgery. Um, where did what happened after that? Uh, went and had brain surgery. Um, that same day of having brain surgery, um, actually, I, I had a couple of brothers that came out. So one of my brothers drove out with his wife to Phoenix from, from Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, yeah, that's a long drive. Who does that? My good friend uh, Eric and I told him he, he they're they're truckers they like to drive whatever yeah so he drove out uh, my another brother flew 
And then my good friend, Eric, that I told you about earlier, he flew as well. He flew out for my surgery Wow! to be with my wife when I was obviously not able to be. So how um, long was the surgery? uh, I think it was like three or four hours. So I went in at five five thirty in the morning, and you know they did all this prep work and everything, and then, then you know they uh, they gave me the shot, and they're like, okay, so count count backwards from ten. So I went ten, nine, eight. That's the last thing I remember. Wow. Um, the next thing I remember, I was awake, and I I had these um, marks in my forehead, you know, where they had screwed me into uh, one of those halos, yeah, you know. Jeez. So they, they did that so I wouldn't move at all. And then once once I was screwed in, and they then did the surgery. So doctors evidently came out and said they everything went as well as he had hoped. So wow. But then that day, that, that that same day, I was walking the hall. Now I did have a little curtain closure assistance from my brother, because I mean there's some things that nobody needs to see. <laughs> yeah. but, <laughs> right. He helped me through that. And then the next day after having surgery, I was discharged from the hospital at noon. The next day after having brain surgery. Yeah. I was just getting yeah. ready to say, so you were in Phoenix for what, six months and recover but no. no, next day you were out. Well, my my good buddy Eric, he had rented or he rented, he had um bought a hotel hotel room for a week. He reserved a hotel room for a week. So we stayed at the hotel for the next six days. We had a reserve. So we were right there, right next to an IHOP. Uh, we would, you know, try. I would try to get up um, and go out and walk. My wife was, you know, wanted to make sure that I stayed active. So that was good. But, I mean, wow. yeah, I mean, it was discharged from the hospital. And then that's when I started to have uh, numbness down the entire right side of my body. So I, I have numbness right now. Um, so it's stuck with me for nine, nine years. Why? I don't know. They haven't been able to tell me. Have you, have you asked anybody? Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah. And they don't know. No, they don't know. Is it nerve damage from the surgery or something or? Probably. 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 Wow. Yeah. I'll never forget it. It came on just that, that morning before uh, we were leaving. Like, huh, my foot just started getting numb. So it's it's still numb. Oh my god, man. Wow. Yeah. So so um so you flew back. Yeah. No, so they discharged me with a little bottle of extra tank Tylenol and a prescription for Percocet. Now the Percocet was not going to be used because I, I didn't want to take any uh, hard pain meds. Um, but I thought with getting on the flight, I would, you know, take the Percocet and it would put me out. Well, that wasn't a really good idea because the Percocet, I'd been moving around so much that the Percocet, you needed to be still when you took it. And uh, it made me sick for like the next three days. So the whole way home from, uh. from Phoenix, in the, air, in the airplane, I was throwing up, and my wife was beside herself because, you know, oh, all these stitches that I had in my in my head, and I'm going to pull them out and all this stuff. So, yeah, it was awful. Well, good news is I sat in first class. 
because I bought the wrong ticket when I, when I never have a blind guy never have a blind guy reserve your tickets. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I, I was in first class, and I'm no. sure people in first class were really happy with me. Oh my god! <laughs> and wow! Then once we got to the airport and to get home, and yeah, they. Pull out the wheelchair for me. I was I was one of those people in the wheelchair, you know, having to get off the plane. Wow. So um, so you you fly. I'm sure your wife thought that the sickness was from the surgery or something. Yeah. Who, yeah I mean, she God. Altitude, I don't know. Wow, man. So yeah. um, sounds like your wife might be a living angel as well. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she yeah. is. I mean, um, Connie has, uh, done, I mean, I, I haven't even gotten to the real stuff with her. I mean, she, after I came, came back and I, I was still, still in that, uh, information technology job sales or sales job. I mean, I just wanted to get back to normal. So I, I wanted everything to be returning to normal. So I thought my eyes were going to come back. I thought yeah. everybody was going to be back or everything was going to be back. So now you know, I, after the surgery, could you see where was anything improved? Not really. No. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. So from there, I still had, I still had both my eyes closed. Finally, the, the one started to open a little bit. There's one on the left. So I could see a little bit better, but the one on the right never did. So I ended up having, uh, I, I had a, uh, an ophthalmologist that I was seeing. And he was trying to help me get my, the muscles on my eyes. So I would have these two images and he was going to line the images up. Because he was uh, actually pull back my my uh, my eyelids and everything, and then he was going in there and moving the muscles around on my eyeballs to try to make it so I could yeah. have an image that at least from a full-on gaze was was one image. Yeah, but that never seemed to work. Um, I I had a uh, I had this idea. I just need more light into my eyes. I feel like if I had more light into my eyes, I'd be able to see better. So. He said, "Well, let's put in a frontalis sling." A what? A frontalis, yeah, a frontalis sling. It sounds like a drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, oh, uh, but he he's like, "Well, let's do that." And I said, "Okay, let's do it." So I went in for surgery, and that was in January when I went in for surgery with uh, with that, and um, I'll never forget that day. I had this put in. So what it is, it's a, it's a fishing line that they put in, literally a fishing line that what? attaches my eyebrow to my eyelid. So when I go like this, you can see both of my eyeballs. Wow. But go back to the fact that I still see double when both my eyes are open. It, it doesn't uh, work. So you can see out of your right eye. I, I can see an image, correct. But it's not like if you close your left eye and open your right eye, it's not a clear image. No, no. Gotcha. It's not. It's not. It, it, the, the control, the control of my my right eyeball is not nearly as good as the control in my left eyeball. Right. Um, and that was that was something that they, you know, when I went in bef the day before my surgery. 
one of the, the main doctor was there, Dr. Spessler, but you know, there was a couple of other doctors there as well. And the one doctor said, you know, this is like seventh nerve palsy. I don't know what she was talking about, but she's like this seventh nerve. We won't be able to do much with that. So, wow. I don't know how they know this stuff, but. So, so. Uh, wow. Where, when did you, at some point you became a speaker and joined <laughs> and, and I, dude, we're 48 minutes into this. This is an hour long show. My gosh, I feel like we haven't even gotten to the, the, the crazy part, but we have, I know, right? that, that is what's so far, man, your story is unbelievable. Like, and because, and, and, and the reason I say that is Right now, at this very moment, you have this smile on your face, and you always have a smile on your face. It seems like. Yes, and and you're. Who said it? Up. I'm. Huh? What's that? What's that? I, I missed what I you said. I forget who said it, but there's something like there are so many people with perfect sight, but they have no vision, and and. You know, the, it, it blows me away, your your energy and attitude. Uh, you, it blows me away, your energy oh. and attitude. What, what did you, you say? Your yeah. energy and attitude. You're just so, you live, it seems like you're in this place of gratitude. Yeah. I like to be positive. I mean, Helen Keller is the one that said, the only thing worse than someone with sight or, or some, someone being blind. The only thing worse than someone being blind is someone that has sight but no vision. Right. With so, Keller. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what I try to do every day. I try to have vision. I, mean, I, I want to be able to help people. That, that's that. When I was um, blind and I was sitting on the kitchen floor not knowing if I'd ever be able to see again, I, I made a promise. I made a promise to God. I said, God, if I can get through being blind, I want to be able to help other people. And I didn't know what that meant. You know, I, I, I said this to, to a lot of people, and they're like, well, Brian, you don't really have a degree in helping people. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you don't have any experience with that. How, how are you going to afford um, or you know, pay for your kid's college? How are you going to be able to live? You need to be able to do something like that. Well, I said, I don't know, but it's, it's the promise I made. So finally wow. three years ago, um, I'm sorry. What was that? I said, wow. Well, three years ago, I, uh, after my last job left me, I decided that I was going to be a speaker and didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to make money, and uh, I've been I've been blessed with the, a lot of good friends. Uh, you know, the National Speakers Association, the other NSA we talked about earlier. That group of people they have been absolutely freaking nominal. I mean, it's just been amazing what uh, what they will do for anybody. I mean, um, I can't I can't tell you enough good things about about the group. So. Wow, um, that's been part of it, and, and yeah. So I, I talk to people about embracing their own personal blindness. I mean, I, I obviously I have blindness. We all have blindness in our lives, 
So I talked to people about how they can embrace their own personal blindness to achieve a greater vision for their lives. That's what I do. And that's you know my speech, my, my, well, my program. My program is um, intended to help people to embrace their own personal blindness to achieve a greater vision for their lives, for their careers, for their family, whatever. So that's what I do. Wow. So you said three years ago, your last job left you. <laughs> it's that. I've never heard yeah. anybody say that. Your last <laughs> job left you. <laughs> What's that mean? They fired you? Yeah. What the heck? What's wrong with those people? I don't know. They're stupid. <laughs> and there, there was, uh, I was, uh, like I said, I was in IT sales. I was uh, doing this stuff with uh, storage. You know, I was trying to make a living doing that. Just wasn't going fast enough. And maybe that's because of my vision. I don't know. Um, but I made some mistakes along the way. Maybe it's because of my vision. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think there was a reason why I had been going from job to job to job and, uh, <laughs> freaking nominal. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how you spell fu. Anyway. <laughs> I think he nailed it right there, dude. <laughs> I think he nailed it. Yeah. Well, well done, Wes. So, so, so dude, you, um, so three years ago, you, um, your job left you. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is funny. I've never heard somebody say my job left me. Um, so, so your job left you and you said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a speaker. And I'm going to go out and stand on stages and I'm going to help people. And um, <laughs> look, can you imagine the guilt, the person that had to fire the happy half blind? <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. I, he, 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 he has tough skin. I mean, I don't know why he did it. I mean, he was fine with it, but maybe, maybe he'll be guilt, feel guilty someday. You know, I, I had, um, one of my best friends ever was, um, was diagnosed with, um, what's it called? Uh, macular degenerative something where he ended up going, he was 98% blind. He could, he had tiny, tiny bit of peripheral vision. Um, but for the most part, he was blind. He had a dog, he had the cane, everything. And, and when I first met him, I, we, I, he, he called me a few months after I met him and he says, uh, hey, I was wondering if you could run me over to Target. I need to get um, my wife a, a, a gift for our anniversary and, and a card. And, all, and I said, yeah, sure. So we, we're, uh, we're walking into, tar into Target and he's got his cane and stuff. And he was very independent. This guy... This guy was a was a drummer with a band that toured with Sonny and Cher back in the early 70s. Oh, he a blind drummer. I mean, he was blind too, like blind blind. He had no and and so this we're walking into Target and I I, I look at him and I go, uh, hey Mike. And he goes, Yeah. And I go, so I'm gonna like take you over to the cards, right? And he goes, Yeah. And I go, um, I, I do, do you need me to read the cards? And he goes, no, I'll read them. You asshole. 
<laughs> he said, of course I need you to read them. Uh, I, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not experienced with this. What do you, what, you know? So, so, um, but man, you've been through some stuff, dude. You've been through. Some... A lot of people have. A lot of people have. No, that's what I yeah. love about you, man. You're not walking around carrying a victim card. Yeah. Well, I just happen to wear my story on my face. <laughs> right. I am Brian with one eye. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 incredible, dude. So what um what do you think? Because I know you've done you've now you've done some speaking. Have you written any books yet? I did. Yeah? I wrote a book. Yeah, it's called Sometimes It Does Take a Brain Surgeon. <laughs> nah. Yeah. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, it is. Uh, the name of my company is called a radical vision. Oh, I love it, man. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's been great. I mean, I, I'm, I've been very, very fortunate to, to be able to, uh, have a lot of community around me to, to help me. And I feel like, uh, everybody has just been on my side, uh, doing things to help me. I mean, you know, uh, like my job at the Ohio school for the blind, I got that. I didn't, I didn't want that job. And, you know, they hired me to, to run their after-school program. I'm like, why? Wow. I what's mean, the, what's your website address? Do you have a website? Yeah, it's a, a radicalvision.com. A radical, a, like a radicalvision.com? A-R-A-D-I-C-A-L-V-I-S-I-O-N.com. I'm putting it up on the screen. A radical... Actually, you, you can actually get there uh, if you go to brianwithoneye.com. It's it's really a URL, brianwithoneye.com. Wow. Um, you can, <laughs> you can uh, get a free downloadable thing for me. If Is that on both websites, the free downloadable thing? Yeah. What is that free downloadable thing? Well, uh, the free downloadable, I should say the free downloadable is on um, – <clears throat> What's what Robert got to say here? Oh, yeah, you're right, Robert. Absolutely. So the free downloadable is available on, um, if you go to brianwithoneye.com, and you can spell I with an I, or you can spell I with an I. It doesn't matter. Um, that's where the free downloadable is. I have other stuff on um, a radicalvision.com. So that's not... I don't know if I have any free stuff on there. I do have some stuff that I'm working on, but nothing right now. So www.brian with one I O N E, right? Spelled out. Yes. Whoops. Brian with one I.com. Is that it? That's it. So, so, um, let me ask you this. People get stuck, dude. I mean, they, they, people do, they get stuck. They, they, they stub their toe in the morning and they, they let it ruin their whole life. 
<laughs> right? And like yeah. it, 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 that that stub toe in the morning ruins the whole morning, which ruins the whole day, which ruins the week, which ruins the month, and and they just live in that that stuck place. What do you think it is that keeps people stuck in life and 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 prevents them from? I mean, you knew. I mean, you were stuck. Let's be let's be honest. You knew twenty years ago that you didn't you didn't really want to be doing what you were doing. Yeah. What keeps people stuck there? It's their mindset. It's their mindset. I mean, I've read a lot of good books. <laughs> I didn't read until I went blind, and then wow. and I I read I read a lot. Uh, I don't read a lot as, as much as much as a lot of people do, but I still read quite a bit. You know, I've read uh, a book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. I mean, uh, thanks, thank you, Wes. Um, you know, Think and Grow Rich that changes your mindset. You know, Rich Dad Poor Dad changes your mindset. Yeah, there are a lot of other books that will help you to change your mindset. So I think that's one of the things that. Uh, that is keeping people back from being able to enjoy their life and, and not knowing what, who they are, not knowing what makes them unique. So I, I know what makes me unique. And it's not the fact that I only have one eye that's open. What makes me unique is my positive personality. And I'm, I'm able to share my story with people with a smile on my face to bring them hope and to be an encourager. That's what makes me unique. If people knew what made them unique, then they'd have a lot better chance of changing their mindset. That's that's a big thing for me. I, I that's a part of my program, and uh, and it'll always be because I want people to I want people to experience life at the fullest. You know, I, I had a uh, one of my one of my kids, my actually my daughter, she wrote me a Father's Day letter when I had uh, the same year that I had surgery. Wow, and. Uh, she told me what I what I was to her. She told me how unique I was. She told me, you know, that I just needed to stop comparing myself to other people. You know, it's a letter that I read to everyone that I that I get in front of. I I I want them to know how they can be an encourager as well. Do so, you read that when in your speeches? Every time. Dude, read it. I know you you have to have it right there. Yeah, I do. Dear Dad, Happy Dad's Day. I hope you have a great day because you definitely deserve it. All the cards and TV commercials always say, my dad's the best. But they're all lying. You're the best ever. Sure, other people's dads are great. They're younger than you. And sportier, funnier. But you've got something that they don't have. Bravery. Even after everything you're going through, you still got out of bed in the morning. You still joke around and play with us and cook on the grill, even though you only have half of one good eye. But you do more still. You inspire me. You teach me. That even if you go through the toughest, the toughest, most grueling things, if you just believe, believe that God is right there with you through everything, believe that everything turns out okay in the end, 
believe that sometimes the only thing you can do is hope, beyond hope, then maybe, just maybe, we'll make it out alive. Not always unscathed, but alive. And giving me that hope, that sense of belief, well, I take that over a dad with two good eyes any day. Love, 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 love. Jess. Wow. Wow, dude. That's so powerful. So I asked people, when's the last time you received a letter like that? I got a better question. When's the last time you wrote a letter like that? Think about that one. I had that one person, the one subject matter expert, the one doctor that I needed to, you know, I needed to tell what he meant to me. I, I needed him at the time. But, I mean, other people have one in their life. There's a one coach, one mentor, one, one, uh, one um, you know, um, uh, teacher, one, whatever, friend, spouse, whatever. You need to tell what they mean to you. You need to tell them what impact they've had. You need to tell them to stop comparing themselves to other people. It doesn't matter if other people's dads are great, you know, younger than you, funnier. You're still my dad. So stop comparing yourself to other people. There's other parts of that letter that have an impact on, on me knowing who I am. She just wanted me to be your dad. Yeah. So that's what I was. So when you write a letter, I want you to write a letter as well. Write a letter to that person. Tell them what they mean to you. Tell them how important they are. Tell them to stop comparing themselves. Well, how do you stop comparing yourself to other people? Well, you focus on your vision. If you focus on your vision, you can't compare yourself to other people. You focus on your own. Wow. My vision is to help other people. I want to help other people embrace their blindness to achieve a good vision for their lives. That's it. That's what I want to do. I'm going to do it any way I can. I'm going to do it I'm screaming on the mountains. And I, you know, I think that, that what, what's important, Brian is, is, um, should I call you Brian or Brian with one eye? You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> I've got lots of nicknames. I, I freaking love you, dude. You're, you're, you're unbelievable. You know, there's so many people walking around on this planet with, with, with perfect eyesight and they, they are not, they, they have. And, and again, I, I know it's a, now, now it's a Helen Keller cliche almost, right? But they have no vision. And, and so when you say you help blind people embrace their blindness and create a vision or, or, or I, I'm not sure if that's exactly how you said it, but that could apply to people with perfect sight. Absolutely. In fact, it probably applies to most people. Yeah. Yeah. So I talk about vision, but I also talk about blind spots because, I mean, we all have blindness. So how do you see through your blind spots? You got to have people to help you. Um, you know, yeah. having people to help you with your blind spots is an important part of uh, being able to have vision because you got to uh, – the process that I take people through is a, from a process of blindness to sight to vision because if you can go from blindness to sight to vision, then you're going to be able to help other people. You're going to be able to – 
live a life that you would be happy to have lived. Wow. Dude, that's powerful. How? Where can everybody follow you? I saw, uh, I don't know if Don Green is still on here, but Don Green was watching. He's the um, CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and, and we were just talking about Napoleon <laughs> Hill. Um, so where can, where can people follow you? And, and uh, my gosh, uh, like uh, what I, I can't even imagine what your keynote is like. I, I, I'll bet people are floored hearing yeah. you. Well, um, so people can find me at uh, radicalvision.com, Brian at radicalvision.com. That's one of the easy ways. Um, obviously, obviously I have a, LinkedIn, uh, a radical vision, not a radical vision is my LinkedIn. Same thing with, um, with Facebook as well as Twitter and then Instagram. So they're all at a radical vision. Wow. Brian, thank you, man. I I'm, uh, I'm so, so grateful that, that, um, I met you and, and that you, you took the time to come on the show. I'm glad I met you. Thank you very much for having me on. Such a powerful, powerful story. Wow. People, people really need to wake up and, and, and have a vision. And pursue well, I'd love to come back someday. There's, there's more to tell. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a lot more. Let's have you back, man. Let's do it. Brian, right. thank you so much. I appreciate it. Don't hang up on me. I'm going to end the live stream and and I'll um, I want to chat with you afterwards. So, um, thank you to everybody who popped in here and watched and shared this out. And Brian, thank you for sharing your unbelievable story and your 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 amazing transparency as well. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you guys later.